millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Welcome to the following on podcast from TalkSport. I'm John Norman and alongside Jarrah Kimber looking back at day three at the Aegeus Bowl in the third test match between England and Pakistan. You're listening to following on. Well, thanks for listening to the show. And by now you'll know that Pakistan were bowled out at 273 all out. Uh, meaning uh, that England were given the chance of enforcing the follow-on and they decided to do that later in the evening. Um, 141 not out, Azar Ali, the captain of Pakistan, uh, really starring. Alongside Mohammad Rizwan putting on uh, nearly 200, uh, or rather 150 for the uh, sixth wicket after Asad Shafiq went early in the day, 30 for four at that stage, and he thought it could get really horrible for Pakistan. But uh, as the ball got softer and the conditions eased, uh, so did uh, batting become easier. There was some uh, farcical fielding towards the end of the day, but Jimmy Anderson did get the deserved Pfeiffer, which means he's two away from 600. Uh, and we'll come back uh, at day four to see just what kind of fight uh, Pakistan can put up. Right, let's get on with the show. Story of the day. Right then, Jared. Uh, Jimmy Anderson, I would say, is uh, one of the stories of the day, as are Ali as well. Um, yeah. Quick question, though, before we really get going. Is it just in Australia that Jimmy, Jimmy Anderson's uh, place in the grand scheme of things is called into doubt, or do you think it's everywhere outside of England? Well, it's called G- Jimmy Clouderson in Asia, so I would say no. I think it's in lots of different places. Um, I wouldn't say it's everywhere outside of England. And it also depends on what you, I'm trying to think of the right way to put it, but it it depends on what you're looking at. Like a lot of people compare him to Dale Steyn. And I've always said that's like comparing Batman to Superman. You know, Superman can fly. It's unfair to say that Batman hasn't done incredible things uh, with just millions of dollars in the bank. But, sorry, I know you're a Marvel guy, so you hate it when I mention DC. But 
No, I, I understand the comparison. You've heard of the characters. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, and also Batman is... He's a good character. I, I did collect a few Batman comics, so I've got no problem, um, you know, mentioning him. Superman was always a bit of a rubbish character, a bit too one-dimensional for me. But, yeah, moving on. I think there's also been a big movement, as cricket's become more global, for people to go, well, wait a minute, you can't say that Ravi Ashwin's only good at home and not mention the fact that Jimmy Anderson's not as good away from home uh, as well, which is, I think, very fair. Um, I think that that has probably those two things have probably maybe clouded his legacy in the global game a little bit realistically was that a deliberate was that a deliberate pun there clouded <laughs> um but i think honestly he's been an incredible bowler and you don't take 600 wickets as a seam bowler without being one of the you know most skillful bowlers in the world he probably was the most skillful bowler in the world for a lot of his career he's also incredible at not getting injured um be able to play at his age and like he's been, I'd say he's been the best he's ever been in the last five years. So again, you have to credit that with him. It helps being in the most professional uh, organization sort of uh, ever. You can't take those sorts of things away from him. He's had the ability to do things that Matthew Hoggard, for instance, Matthew Hoggard still bowled a lot. Uh, Darren Goff talks about the fact that, you know, he bowled so much for county cricket that he didn't have much to give for tests. There's, so there's a lot of things that you need to factor into Jimmy Anderson, but you don't take 600 wickets as a spinner or a seamer without being an incredible, incredible bowler. Uh, I think that's very fair, it, but he hasn't taken them yet. He also has had success in both Australia and India. Um, he's mm-hmm. won an Ashes in Australia. He bowled well in that series. And uh, he also won a series in India and, I think MS Donu Doni was uh I think he averaged I think his economy rate was at under two. Um so he can do it. And um Yeah, he as I said, if Dale Stain didn't exist, the whole conversation would be different. The I don't I don't think it would, look... even if Dale Stain didn't exist. I still think Australians no. would still be slamming him. No, I think early in his career it was a huge thing about him being compared to Dale Stain. You I, I think we also we look at overall averages. And he started very early in his career and his average did get away from him for a long time. And he's been slowly bringing it down, bringing it down. But if you play in England and you're averaging 28 and uh, you've got other bowlers around the world averaging mid-20s and low-20s, I think that that's a natural thing for a, a cricket fan who actually follows all of the game to look at. Um, also, as a general rule, Australians don't respect anything that English people do. I, I don't know why that's uh, news to you. Uh, Azarelli hasn't had much respect either, has he? I was having a look, you know, there's nah. been so much talk about him and his captaincy and his batting. And I just I thought, oh, as he was approaching 100, I thought I better check to see when he last scored 100. It was three tests ago. Yeah, but it felt like a lifetime ago. It was a different time, John. It was a it, different It was. World. It was. We were in at South Africa. Um, you know, there was no such thing as coronavirus, except the fact that the England team probably had it. and We didn't realise. <laughs> Uh, it, yeah, it was a different time and a place. But, you Look, know, it was yeah. only three tests ago. Let, let me tell you about Azar Ali. Uh, I didn't really pay much attention to him early in his career because he looked like a limited batsman to me. And the way he was batting, I thought, look, he's going to average somewhere between 35 and 40 and not make much of an impact. You know, Dimuth Karunaratni, Rory Burns, th- those sorts of players. And then he just kept making hundreds and occasionally triple hundreds and huge hundreds. He played incredible innings in Australia. And it got to the point where it was quite clear that he had, he had moved up 
uh, in world boating. And yet, Pakistan fans would complain about how slow he was. And you're just like, you've got a man who make a triple hundred and you're complaining that he's doing it too slowly when you have basically only two other good batsmen in the team are both 55. Uh, and it got to the point where I just, I felt like someone needed to defend him. And so I've been a huge pusher of him for a long time. But the last couple of years, he has been, uh, you know, he started his career as a tail ender. It looked like he was destined to finish his career as a tail ender, the way he was going down. People, would, the narrative will be, uh, today that, oh, you know, you know he really stuck in and he, he showed some guts and some fight. Actually, I think Nasser Hussain absolutely nailed it. He changed his technique very slightly, um, the way that he set up and got his front leg out the way and he batted the way that he was for those couple of years when he was one of the best players in the world. And he was for a couple of years one of the best batsmen in the world. Um, he deserves a longer run. I mean, as you said, he made 103 tests ago, but he certainly deserved, you know, he has struggled for a long time. Uh, so I think it was great to watch him uh, bat the way that he did today. And also, you know, I mean, maybe this is one of the many lols of the day, but also hilarious that he accidentally is going to end up as the opening batsman tomorrow when he didn't meet. Well, see, this is the other thing I was going to ask you. Would Well, he absolutely wouldn't have been the opening batsman, but what are the uh, rules surrounding the follow-on? Because I even thought to myself, I wonder if Joe Root would have enforced the follow-on if he'd known that the players would have been called off before a ball had been bowled. And also, as a rally, he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have opened the batting if, uh, if he thought it was going to come back tomorrow. But, you know, is it from the point that the players walk out on the field? that Say the, say the follow-on had been called, right? And the umpires... Do the umpires have to wait for the players to get on the field to tell them that they've got to go off it? At what point does the inning start is I suppose what I'm trying to ask you. I didn't get a chance to look at the laws before I came on. I did see a couple of people asking me a similar thing on Twitter. My understanding is once he has gone out onto the field to bat, he has uh, said he is the opening batsman. Uh, And also the follow-on question is asked straight away, isn't it? So even if it was five minutes, yeah, there's no way way of rescinding the follow-on at that point. No, no, but I did, I, I knew that, but I just wondered whether he would have if he'd have known that he wasn't going to get a bat in those conditions. Yeah. No, no, I mean... Uh, sorry, uh, a bowl in those conditions. Yeah. I, I think it's still... It might be something worth looking at the laws at, and I'm sure someone hopefully will have um, had a chance to look it up. But my guess is once he walks out on the ground, uh, that that's that's it. There's quite a funny thing going on in T20 cricket at the moment, which I'm going to mention just because it kind of is, is on, on the range of those sorts of questions. Is this... Hang on. Is this story of the day... <laughs> Shall we leave it to, for a moment of the day? No, no, it, it, you like this. There's a point. Oh now. no, I'm, I'm sure I will. But I'm just asking you: Do you think that your T20 anecdote belongs in the story of the day bracket or the moment of the day bracket? Of yes, the following on podcast. Yes, okay, because right. I'm, I'm going to actually I trust you. Follow it up with even more. So in T20 cricket now, you sometimes get two batsmen that go out to bat. One can face spin, and one can't face spin. Right. And then you get this thing of who's going to take strike. And if the seamer takes the ball, you see the batsman swap ends. And we've actually seen then the seamer then give the ball to a spinner. And you have this standoff where you're not sure what's going to go. So we haven't got a law to cover that. Right. So so in a situation like Azza Ali, it's another it's a very similar thing. We, we wouldn't have had many situations like that happen before where the batsmen finally go out. They decide to change your batting order. But now it's not going to make any sense for, for the next day's play. And to follow that on, we had a very weird situation today, and it's weird for a couple of reasons, in that 
Josh Butler took a very good catch up at the stumps to Don Bess. And Don Butler's, oh, it's Don Butler, Josh Butler's gloves were slightly ahead of the stumps. Now, it's debatable whether they were, and it's debatable whether they were, John, because Sky never showed a close-up of this, despite the fact that me, Wisden, and many other people were talking about this and directly tweeting to Sky going, can you show us whether that was? Because if Josh Butler's fingers were ahead of the stumps, that would make a no ball. So, yes, Part of the story of the day was the weird arbitrary nature of cricket laws and playing conditions within the game. And isn't it great? Isn't it a great sport where we can literally talk about the fingertips of Joss Butler um, during a day where uh, Jimmy Anderson almost took 600 wickets and Azza Ali uh, rebuilt himself from the dead? Moment of the day. Moment of the day. Well, no doubt what my moment of the day is, I've written it here, is uh, so was it a no ball or not? Oh, no. You've just done that. Hmm. Um, it is funny with cricket. The amount of times that we've been in a press box full of cricket numpties and nobody knows the laws surrounding what time play is going <laughs> to finish. Uh, anyway, let's let's talk about Joffre Archer. <sighs> Again, I'm not quite sure about all this. It's, he really does... Um, so essentially, before this match, so I was in New Zealand when he bowled 42 overs in a test match. Now they've decided, hang on, we're not going to like bowl him into the ground on a flat pitch and then inju- get him injured. We're going to bowl him in short, sharp bursts and we're going to tell everyone about it before the game starts. And that's what they did. And funnily enough, the batsman is just waiting for it and it just didn't seem to work. It's like... I still don't think they know really what to do with him. So he took four wickets in that other test. While every, what did he take? Four for 80 or something? You know, it wasn't, you know, high figures at all. And you would have thought he took none for 200, the way the talk was. Today, they were going on and on about how great he was, that he was charging in and bowling fast. And you saw that online and the commentary did that. And, I, and all I could think of was, I'm not sure he actually bowled better today than he did that, that other spell. He bowled faster, but yeah. as you said, they knew he was going to bowl short and fast. I mean, to be fair, I, I, I've got no problem with the way he bowled. The coverage no. around Jofra Archer is about no, I, as bad. I don't have a problem with it either. Yeah. I don't yeah. have a problem with it either. The cover- but even, Bar- even Barney Rone is on Twitter today, um, and he's totally right to, I don't have a problem with Barney Rone doubting that Jofra Archer is the bowler that we saw last year, but it's like, it's, it's just because it's Joffre Archer, isn't it? That's what isn't I mean. This... The, the, the discussion around Joffre Archer is as bad as I can think of for any cricketer. Uh, Rohit Sharma might be, might be another one up there, but you get these players in these big marketplaces and this conversation just revolves around them again, again, and again. And it's just like, I've, I've said this from almost the first time I saw him play, you know, maybe the first time I saw him in an overseas league for Hobart Hurricanes. He is a incredible talent on a level that we haven't even scratched the surface off here. And if uh, it gets to a point where you could see why he'd just go off and play T20 cricket and just be done with all of this. The around, uh, around his, the, I thought he bowled some very good spells today. Um, but the fact that he's even a discussion point on a day like today is ridiculous. Michael Vaughan wrote an article, which I imagine as soon as he pressed uh, send on the email to send it off to whoever posted up on the site, he just knew he was pulling a, a little pin out of a hand grenade. Essentially, he's saying that 
you know, players like Crawley show that um, top players need to be whipped out of the county game before they learn bad tactics and uh, they need to learn their game in the test arena. Um, I mean, you know, he put forward some quite interesting arguments behind it, but I don't know. What did you, I don't even know if you read the article, to be honest with you. I've not read the article. I, did, I actually didn't know uh, um, he'd written that article. Look, when it comes down to it, you want your best players playing in, you want your best 11 to play in the next test as, as often as possible. That's not to say you're not trying to groom people for potential series coming up and that you might not, if, if, you, if you've got James Hildreth and you've got Ollie Pope, Maybe Hildreth is slightly better at one stage in his career, but you might go with Pope because you think that he can get some experience and move him forward. Those sorts of things, right? Got no problem with that. The idea that you are just picking 20-year-old players the minute they show any talent and throwing them into the pressure cooker of Test cricket. Test cricket has never been harder, especially for a batsman. It has never been harder. There, are, there is the level of analysis now is, at a, is, is so high that you could, you, could be, you could be ruining young players uh, by doing that. I can't think of too many other sports in the world where they do that. But for some reason, we think in cricket that that is the right way to do it. I think, honestly, the right way to do it is probably um, a, a variation of what Vaughan is saying is whether you would whip them out of county cricket or not, I'm not sure. But you would let them play a little bit of county cricket because there's, you're going to play a bunch of, against a bunch of different players in varied conditions. But actually what you should do is probably, if you had a lot of money as a cricket board, you would have, two perm, you would have 25 players on a permanent development um, deal. And those players between the age of 18 and 22 would be going around, the, or 18 and 26 probably, would be going around the world playing in different conditions against different kind of A teams and playing amongst themselves as much as possible. That's probably the best way to develop talent, right? But that's no different than, there, there is no perfect way to, to de- develop talent. The best NBA players come from college game. You know, a lot of those young footballers go off and um, they, they end up on the bench and playing in academies for too long. There's, there's no ideal way of doing this, but you can learn a lot from playing, from playing county cricket in the same way that you can also learn a lot of bad things from playing county cricket. The, the Vaughan system is going to ruin a, a bunch of young things. And also what will happen is you'll end up with a lot of guys like James Vince who look incredible who are picked out because of how they look. And you'll get a lot of guys like Rory Burns who are completely overlooked because they don't have the correct technique. I, that, that to me doesn't seem like a very sensible system. For me, I would say that Zach Crawley only got an opportunity in New Zealand because Joss Butler was injured. He only got an opportunity in South Africa because Rory Burns was injured. Um, he then justified his position in the team at the start of the summer, but then was then dropped... And only got his place back because Ben Stokes got injured. So if you're relying on players to get injured to to learn your game, I would say that it's probably better you're playing some county cricket. Um, yeah, also, yeah. It'll say I mean, it's it, not it just... like this one size fits all approach is is like exactly. why the article works. You know, there isn't one way of doing things. There are lots of different ways of doing exactly. things. Exactly. Um, Talent development is such a a really interesting thing. Like there are, there's a completely different way that you might have two fastballs who both bowl 95 miles an hour, but the way that you develop the two of them is completely different. So Joffre and Mark Wood shouldn't be in the same, in the same um, talent development system, 
for me because what Mark Wood can do is completely different to what Joffre can do just because they are both 90 miles an hour. And that is going to be the same of two young batsmen as well. You have to actually work out. I, I think the best way is for a team of former players and analysts and coaches to come together and go, this is what this player is. This is what we think he can be at the top level. Now, England might make a mistake with a particular player. What's the best way to develop him specifically? What this guy needs is 16 games a year of professional cricket for the next two or three years. Bang. Well, there's no reason to take him out of county cricket. We know he's going to develop this way. The complete other side of that might be someone like Zach Crawley, who they might have they might have done a bunch of testing on and be like, this guy can already face 90 mile an hour bowling. The last thing we want him to do is to spend the next three years facing 80 mile an hour bowling at this level and not getting any better. You have to think about all those sorts of things. But the idea that that will... You know, the idea that if you would have taken Mike Hussey at the age of 20 out of Western Australia and played him for Australia, he would have been rubbish. He was dropped by Western Australia when he was, what, 25, 26? You know, it's nonsensical to think that. That is not the way that all players develop. And that's why you need a a much better system to work out how these players will go. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to Visit barbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan. Shot of the day. Okay, I want to zip through shot of the day and ball of the day because I want to go on to lull of the day. So uh, 
lols. Yeah, lols of the lols. day. Lols, plural. Uh, Azza Ali played a really good uppercut, I thought, at one stage, which doesn't feel like a very Azza Ali shot. I really enjoyed it. Ball of the day. I'm not sure I have a ball. Do you have a ball? Oh, there was a bouncer. Oh, that, the, um, the Joff nearly took uh, Azza Ali, flicked his shoulder. Oh, that was a good ball. That was definitely ball of the day. Uh, you know, and it was all, you know, let's, I can't remember who the bowler was, but whoever he was, uh, you know, that, that ball should be remembered. Yeah, I mean, he's quite nondescript, whoever yeah. it was who was bowling that. Lol of the day. Right, let's get on to it. There's some, there were some proper lols of the day today. Uh, no Monty Channel references needed <laughs> to fill this hole. Um, it started off well with that Rob Key, Shane Warne uh, hair thing on Sky. Did you see that? They were basically filming Shane Warne off camera, <laughs> fiddling around with his hair. And um, it was brilliantly, it was so funny. They set it up. Uh, and Rob Key as well. It was basically, they are getting ready to be on on uh, on air. And Shane Warne's like, fiddling around with his hair and making sure everything's okay. They're doing extreme close-ups on it. Oh. That was great. That's that's what I wrote down. And then <laughs> you had the Jimmy Anderson show. Well, the Jimmy Anderson, slip fielder, Stuart Broad at mid on combo. I mean, just to go back, I mean, Anderson talked about earlier in the series, didn't he, about getting too emotional uh, with, with his bowling. And I was just like, are you the least self-aware man I've ever come across? If you think you're not emotional on a cricket field, no, I'm sorry. That's not the case. And then he had what, three or four early wickets here. And they started, and I, and you started, started realizing that he was getting grumpy you see people on Twitter talking about it. And then, you know, the commentators started picking it up as well. And I was like, why on earth would you be grumpy? If you, this is, he's only got two or three days left of his summer. Uh, He's, a, he's on his way to 600 wickets. He's ripped out the top order. There's been a bit it's of... perfect day. Yeah. It's perfect day. Take the wickets in the morning. Watch other people bowl with the rubbish ball. Yeah. New ball's back. Clouds are coming over. Nip out some more. So at that stage, I was, I was anti-Jimmy Anderson being grumpy. But then, when he came, when, I mean, the first edge, the, as a, it was Azza Ali, was it? The first one driving yeah. the ball. That flew to slip. And we just had a really good catch by Joe Root at slip. That had flown to slip. So it was quite clear that that was a tough one. But it also hit the middle of Rory Burns' hands. Um, and that is your job, it slips, to be fair. But we know that, I can't remember what it is, about what, 80, 80, 80% of catches at slip are taken. So that means one in five are going to be dropped. That's, I'm okay with that. But the Zach Crawley one was so easy. And it also had added comedy value by the fact that Dom Sidley kind of, even though Dom Sidley was the closest person on the field, he somehow saw it as a catch and started to celebrate as Crawley was <laughs> dropping it, which I thought was great. And then we cut back to Jimmy with the head in his hands, followed up by Stuart Broad dropping a catch at mid-on and then sort of anger throwing the ball at the stumps at the other end. Not really... Not really working out if he's even throwing the ball at the stumps or if he's just angrily throwing it away from him and somehow it was running just, out behind it was the all, bass. It was all muscle memory, wasn't it? It was just, what is going on? I've dropped it. The ball's in the bar. My, my body is going to throw the ball at the stumps, but his mind was still waiting for that ball and trying to work out how we'd managed to drop it. I mean, that was one of the simplest and, catches you get. And then Jimmy giving him the knuckles, but then also thinking, 
Cost yeah. Me, cost me on there. The, react, the reaction of the slip cordon was almost one of disappointment because they knew Jimmy Anderson would be furious because if Broad hadn't run out of bass, then Jimmy would have had another, would have been bowling to a bass. So it was almost like, no, we, uh, what, how do we react? Yeah. No, it was great. Absolutely oh, it was great. absolutely I, brilliant. Also, I know we've talked about it at the top of the show, but the brilliance of Azza Ali going, guys, I've got this. I'm batting so good. I've got this. I'm in a zone. I'm going to go out and bat. And then him getting out in the middle and them going, yeah, we're calling it for the day, guys. And not even, <laughs> not even it's bad light. We'll give it a couple of minutes. Literally, it's off. That's it. You're going to have to open a batting now. I mean, that is at next level cricket. I mean, that's why I sort of brought up that Josh Butler thing. The sort of levels of nuttiness that we have in cricket is just unparalleled by other sports. It is. You've got to res- it is a it is by far the funniest sport. It is head and shoulders over any other sport that has ever been invented for pure hilarity. And in and in areas you'd never even thought would exist. Yeah. Well, someone was saying to me today about that Josh Butler no ball that I was talking about earlier. It was like, why would the law even be there? Because there's always like a backstory. And I was thinking that the story behind that is that what was, did, was the wicketkeeper going ahead of the stumps and dacking the batsman? Did a wicketkeeper get punched, get hit in the face by a backlift or something? Like what actually happened to make that a law? Um, to, and, and that so many things uh, happened like that. Do you remember Kyron Pollard a couple of years ago when he realised he hit the ball to long on and there wasn't two? So he just stopped about three quarters <laughs> of the way down the pitch and went down the other way. Whatever. He changed the laws just because one time he misjudged whether there was a single or a two there. <laughs> great great work cricket anodyne press conference moment of the day we'll try and follow that Don Bess yeah we're in a great position um, we talk about our blueprint in terms of a team and scoring plenty of runs and then obviously having that having that option to um, obviously we've got the option now to enforce the follow on which we have and now we've got two days to obviously bowl them out what is going to happen tomorrow Okay, Jared. We well, we well. Actually, not we. You got it wrong. You said there's no way that England would uh, enforce a follow-on, and they did. Mm-hmm. Apart from that, though, we pretty much got it, didn't we? Oh, um, I think no. I think we got it wrong. I, I I said there'd be a couple of early wickets, um, and after that, uh, Pakistan would fall apart. They did the opposite of that. I hadn't anticipated as Ali changing his entire technique, uh, but he did, and, and no, all credit goes to him. So I, I do think we got that wrong. The, the mm. follow-on, less so, because I did say if they go over 200, then generally teams get a bit nervous. It looked like a, um, a, you know, a different situation. But in this particular, once they looked at that weather map, they don't really have a choice. If they want to win this test, they're going to have to do that. And I, I wasn't mm. maybe on top of the, the future weather um, situation. Wow, as much as I so you went wrong. But so you went wrong. They got the early wicket, and then I thought they did... Um, I thought Pakistan did really well. So uh, credit to them. I, I, I don't think anyone really expected them to bat as well as they did throughout the middle of that day. And you can say that the pitch flattened out a little bit. I, I think it did. But they still had to bat very well considering they had already lost pretty much all their top five. Mm. So what's going to happen on day four? I mean, the weather looks a little bit dodge. It's just a, it's just a question of how long they can survive. Can you see them? Can you see England having to bat again? Oh, I wouldn't think so. I, I can no. see Pakistan putting in another effort like that, whether it's Azar or Shah Massoud or, uh, I mean, Rizwan is 
I mean, we haven't talked much about him, but his wicket keeping has been incredible. But his batting as yeah. well. I think he averages 40 in first class cricket. Uh, he yeah. looks a real deal to me. I, really exciting to see him going forward. Um, and Josh Butler took a couple of great catches today. But you see the difference in the wiki keeping styles. The Asian wiki keepers still have footwork. Um, and really, the art of wiki keeping is there. Whereas Josh Butler and a lot of modern wicket keepers in the West, Quinton de Kock, they, they are really point fielders with incredible athleticism and, and they have to die. So I've really enjoyed uh, Rizwan. But it's gonna, you would think it was going to have to be one of those three. Also, Abid Ali, I don't think he's batted terribly in the series. He's just always found a way to sort of get himself out. Um, you know, so, it, it, you know, one of them is going to have to go, or two of them are going to have to go quite deep. But I don't think England are going to have to bat again. Uh, but who knows, because if, if it is a day where they're coming on and off and on and off, that really helps England, I think, especially now that they've had a full day of bowling. Uh, do you realise it was such a glorious lulls of the day, day, that we, uh, we forgot the tale of the Pakistani cricketer falling off his chair? I missed that. I, I came in late. So was that Iman al-Haq, was it? Yeah, it was. It was, um, it was basically that he was with the C, all the other uh, substitute uh, fielders and Sham Masood was sitting there. There's a couple of other players. Shadab Khan was there. And essentially he did what we've all done in our life. You sit down thinking the chair's there. And it wasn't. Oh, nice. Do you know, there's a little moment too, uh, to go back to Azza Ali. When, when Azza Ali made his 100, they, uh, they cut to Yunus and Mizbah on the balcony. And Mizbah said a joke to Eunice and then they had a little hug together. And maybe it's not a lull of the day, but it wasn't. It's great to see two of the most serious men in cricket. I know actually they're not as serious as they may be portrayed um, publicly, but two of the more serious sort of elder statesmen. I mean, they were elder statesmen when they were 20, those two, although neither of them were 20. They were both born at 35. But, you know, watching them laugh, and it was obviously a thing about that because Eunice is the batting coach, obviously Mizbah is, I suggested, um, so, or, you know, got Eunice involved. But it's just a beautiful little moment of two of the most respected cricketers in the world having a little lull of their own. <laughs> what a day. Um, brilliant. Mate, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll reconvene this time tomorrow after day four at the Aegeus Bowl. Thanks for listening to a following on podcast. Uh, you can listen to us on ACOS, Spotify or Apple Podcasts and we will be back. Thanks for listening. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.